0: You don't know flag. do Welcome to You Don't Know Flag, the podcast full of stories about retro gaming, retro computing, video games, arcade games, and technology from a guy who was there and still is. My name is Rob O'Hara, but for the next 30 minutes, you can call me Flack. Episode 142, Star Wars Toys. Hello, and welcome to Episode 142 of You Don't Know Flack. Today is October 8th, 2013, and I am your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. On today's episode of You Don't Know Flack, we will be talking about Star Wars Toys. On today's show, I have a very special guest, Mr. Earl Green of TheLogbook.com joining me, so I hope this will be an entertaining episode. Before I call Earl, I need to load the rest of the show's segments into my trusty Commodore 64 computer. So while those load up, we have a few minutes to chat during this week's loading time. Loading time. Loading time. Loading time. The first thing I wrote here on loading time is one single word. Furlough. For those of you that don't know, I work for the federal government. And uh, so I found out, basically the same time as the rest of you, that I was going to be furloughed. I had heard rumors that I might get furloughed. Uh, Last week, on Monday, I called in sick. And uh, basically, I was told to watch CNN, which I did. And CNN told me that I was furloughed and not to come in. Uh, there's a whole bunch of things that goes along with that. I cannot use any government equipment right now. I can't use my government laptop. I can't check my government email. Um, and I'm, I'm not to work. It's actually against the law for me to work right now, and I'm not being paid. So this is actually a good time for me to catch up on podcasts, <laughs> projects, and things like that around the house. We've um painted the front door we've watched uh we just watched gravity the movie we have done a lot of little things, but um the other thing we did today was go to the credit union and figure out how we can borrow money from our thrift savings plan to make our house payment next month um so it has been a very interesting i've never i know there was a furlough in the early i i think ninety five is what they said I started with the government um, in April of 95, so I think, I don't remember if I was there during that furlough or not. If I was, it didn't make an impact on me, but this one certainly has. Um, the last time I wasn't married, I didn't have two kids, I didn't have two car payments, and I didn't have a uh, big house and a big house payment, so... um I don't know, lots of stuff on Facebook being talked about on the furloughs, on the news. I I don't feel like anybody quite gets it right. I I don't, you know, people post things on Facebook that don't understand who's being affected by this. Um, You know, they say, well, if these government people have been deemed non-essential, then good. Then then fire them and get rid of them, which is um, asinine, really. I, You know. As I I tried to explain to somebody, just because there weren't uh, any fires in your neighborhood last weekend, you don't get rid of the fire department. Um, So, you know, especially working in IT, uh, it it is, I don't know, a little bit of an ego (laughs) ding to be told that you are non-essential personnel. Um, But honestly, for the past 20 years, I've been told that I'm non-essential every day except for when things break, and then I become very essential. Um, when networks go down, when servers go down, when services are no longer available, when critical infrastructure that's used by the government cannot be accessed, then I become very critical. So uh, it's interesting to see what their definition of uh, essential and non-essential is. But uh, you know what it is what it is. So I am uh, not sitting around wallowing. I am using this time uh to the best of my ability, and my kids still have to go to school. I still have to pick my kids up from school, so I can't, you know, go on a cross-country road trip. I can't go on vacation. I still have to be around, um, but we are uh, enjoying this time as much as we can, and we'll worry about paying bills when that comes around. Anyway, enough of government furlough talk. Let's talk about news since i posted the last episode which was a few weeks ago if you don't know flack i've started another podcast or actually what i've started calling it is a tube cast that's because they are videos that are being posted on youtube and that tube cast doesn't really roll off the mouth tube cast uh is sprite castle you can find out more about sprite castle at spritecastle.com and what it is is a series of short videos that consist of me playing Commodore 64 games. So I'll be playing uh, some new games, uh, some old games, games that uh, are probably, if you're familiar with, old computer games and old, uh, you know, even console video games, classic arcade games. I'll be playing a lot of games that you're familiar with and that you've seen, and I'll probably be playing some that you've never seen before. Uh, The shows right now are averaging... Um right around the 10 minute mark, I have some longer ones scheduled. There may be some that are shorter than that. So the idea is just to show a game, uh, show how to play it, and uh and move on, you know. So it's a little fun, little side project. But anyway, that's at SpriteCastle.com. So uh there is not an iTunes feed yet for Sprite Castle. I'm probably going to make one here very shortly. If you want to follow Sprite Castle, there is an RSS feed on SpriteCastle.com or you can go to the very new project that we are launching this week, which is throwbacknetwork.net. Now, some of you know that uh, I am doing a show with uh, my friend Sean and my friend Dor, and we do a another podcast called Throwback Reviews, and on Throwback Reviews, uh, we started talking about retro movies, but we have moved into other things, retro toys um we talked to we did an episode about forts we've done uh, just a few we just did one on the Atari 2600 so we have lots of different um topics that we're covering on throwback reviews and Sean and I came up with the idea that if we're doing all these you know shows about throwback stuff about retro stuff that we'd like to have a group of podcasts that could kind of advertise for each other but more importantly a single landing uh, like a, a website where you could go and you could find out about all these shows. And so, what we've launched is ThrowbackNetwork.net. And I think there are currently either seven or nine shows on ThrowbackNetwork.net. So, uh, if you go to ThrowbackNetwork.net, you'll find the latest of all these shows. You'll find the latest episodes of, uh, You Don't Know Flack. You'll find, um, Sprite Castle. You'll find Throwback Reviews. Ferg's twenty six hundred Game by Game Podcast is on there. The Intellivisionaries have been added. Um I'm trying to think. Oh, Doug McCoy. And he Doug McCoy does three different retro podcasts. I don't know how he manages to do that. I know Doug is married um and has a young child. I tell you, I do a lot of my podcasting late at night after everybody's gone to bed, and maybe Doug does too. Um but Doug's doing I think three different shows right now. He's doing the um uh, uh, episode, oh gosh, I forget the exact name of it, but is uh, right now they're going through the Twilight Zone, the the version that ran in the 80s. They're going through it episode by episode. It's Doug and Vic Sage, which you may know from Throwback Reviews and from The Retroist. Um, they have a couple other hosts on there. Doug also does a podcast with his wife where they pick a movie that one of them hasn't seen and the other one has, and that's really interesting to listen to. I, I just listened to several episodes of that on my last road trip. Um, and he does, uh, another podcast, my favorite one that Doug does, which is, uh, creepy cool movies, uh, that are from the 70s and 80s that he saw growing up. And he talks about them now. So he talks about how he remembers them and, and, uh, he watches them again. So, um, but anyway, throwbacknetwork.net. Go there and you'll find links to all those websites, all those podcasts. Um, and, uh, as, as soon as those are posted new, uh, episodes of those shows are posted, they show up on throwback network and there should even be a link to uh, click and play and listen to those. So all good stuff. We're looking for other retro theme shows that want to get in on the network. It's no cost. Um, we're not making any money off it, but basically we're just trying to find like-minded people, uh, that are doing retro, Retro podcast, and it doesn't have to be video. We're a little heavy right now, um, to be honest with you, in the video game uh sector. I, I know that um we have uh, talks with one or two other people right now about adding some other uh video game-related show, but I'm looking for anybody that's doing uh, retro-type shows, you know, um, anybody that's talking about older, whether it's movie reviews or old music. I don't know that I have any old music podcasts on my feed, but any of that kind of stuff. So if you... Listen to any podcast or you know anybody, or maybe you do a podcast that would fit in with uh, the Throwback Network. Check out throwbacknetwork.net and take a look, and uh, maybe you'll be able to um, find somebody else that fits in on that network. The other thing I wrote down here I was going to talk about is the MIST computer. That's M-I-S-T. And I had a little paragraph here written down about the MIST computer and about how I really wanted one. But... I'm not going to read that paragraph because I bought one. And so that's going to be the next episode of You Don't Know Flack. So I don't want to get in about uh, all these things that I think it might be because uh, on the next episode of You Don't Know Flack, I will tell you exactly what it is. The MIST computer is a FPGA. Uh, It's basically a programmable or flashable computer. You can flash the processor with different cores that people have written. And the reason it got the name MIST, which is M-I-S-T, the M-I stands for Amiga, and the S-T stands for Atari S-T. And there are cores right now for both the Atari S-T and the Amiga. And it uses SD cards for storage. So it's this little tiny box. I'm looking at it right now, sitting on my desk. And I have two SD cards. I put one in and this thing boots up and it becomes an Amiga. And I can play Amiga games on it. I take that SD card out, turn it off. I put in the other SD card, turn it in, and this machine becomes an Atari ST computer, and I can play Atari ST games. So anyway, I don't want to talk too much about the mist because I'm going to be talking about that on episode 143 of You Don't Know Flack. But uh, the mist computer, very cool, and I'm glad that I ordered it right before the furlough kicked in, <laughs> so it arrived and it has given me something to play with. Uh, feedback. Let's see. I have a couple of feedbacks off my last show. In regards to my last show, uh, which was about the Raspberry Pi. Um, the first was from uh, Tex Hogger, who has been listening to the show for quite a while. And Tex dropped me a little hint. He said um, one of the hints that he dropped me was a link to a program called Classic Shell, which is for Windows 8. I had been complaining that I had Windows 8 on my new laptop and I didn't know how to do anything without a start button. And so uh Classic Shell, which is available at ClassicShell.net, will add a start button back to Windows 8. And it has become so much easier for me to navigate things. I also found that by hitting the actual Windows key on my laptop, I can flip back and forth between the normal desktop and the Windows, um, whatever it's called, the Metro interface. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was a very good link. Thank you very much for that, ClassicShell.net. He also told me that um, he got his Raspberry Pi a couple of weeks ago, and he's been trying to get MAME and MESS running on it. And he says he is new to Linux, so he's learning on the fly. And he's trying to get his tank stick working, which is a MAME, uh, you know, like a, a, one of those MAME control panels with joysticks and buttons and stuff. He also said he's downloaded um, the issues of Magpie Magazine, which is a good resource, um, for learning about things you could do with the Raspberry Pi. Um, so that's, um, Getting MAME and MESS up and running, I have not played around with MESS yet very much. Um, I used, I think I I talked about on the Raspberry Pi one, the uh, Pi MAME build. I found that one very easy to get up and running on the Pi. Um, And, uh, you know, like I said, it doesn't run 100%, but uh, it runs pretty darn good. And uh, I also uh, have been using the Scum emulator for the Lucasfilm uh, point-and-click adventures a lot lately. Especially during my little time off, I've been playing uh, a little Maniac Mansion and uh, Day of the Tentacles, so that's good stuff. Uh, I also got an email from Vintage Volts, who uh, is another longtime listener to the show, who called me out a little bit, basically to defend the Arduino. And he said, um, it's not designed to be a computer, which, so I was kind of comparing apples and oranges, I guess, between comparing the Raspberry Pi, um, and the, uh, Arduino. By the way, uh, I'm very glad I, I do should mention that uh over the weekend I picked up a pop filter, which is um doesn't mount very well to the blue yeti here, but I do I have a, a system here that's working. The blue Yeti has kind of a unique little microphone stand. Um, but since I'm talking about the Raspberry Pi computer, uh last time I was very worried about popping this microphone all over the place. So hopefully this new mic filter will keep me from uh either popping the microphone or just spitting all over the place. Uh, but anyway, Vintage Volts, he says that the, uh, core is written in C, but it's more like Java mixed with BASIC. So it's not a full-blown computer like the Raspberry Pi, but it's very good at what it does. Uh, and then he mentioned some different examples like reading sensors and producing output. Uh, it's a lot more convenient to hardwire into a product because it's instant on. It doesn't have the overhead of booting an operating system like the Pi. Uh, and then he, he said, one of the things I said was that since the Arduinos were not, um, all uniform, that I was afraid they would be incompatible. But he did say that the code is mostly portable between the different models, that it's uh, great for hardware interfacing, and that the Pi might be better for software interfacing. And then he said, you know, it just depends on what you want to do with it. And they're both very good for small-scale environments. So I will take back. Um, I, I don't think that I said that the Arduino, maybe I did. <laughs> I didn't mean to say that the arduino uh was bad and that the Raspberry Pi was good uh but definitely for my application, I was more interested in the Raspberry Pi and so I'm still glad that I bought one and um you know maybe later on down the road, I may still look at the arduinos and and um if I have a project that I can apply one of those to i I would like to look at
1: one of those but uh,
0: So anyway, thanks for writing in on that. If you have feedback about this episode or any other episode, or the show in general, you can always email me your feedback at RobOhera at com or you can leave a message for me on the You Don't Know Flack voice mailbox, which is 405-486-YDKF. Hey, and that sound right there means the rest of the show has loaded from my trusty Commodore 64. Yes, that's right, the Commodore 64, the only personal computer except for one that is capable of holding the entire You Don't Know Flack podcast. The other one would be the Commodore 128. <laughs> Not an Apple II. So, that's a little shot for Carrington. Um, <laughs> Carrington and Mike Carrington, specifically on No Quarter, called me out for missing weeks of the You Don't Know podcast, uh, You Don't Know Flack and uh he's absolutely right um and so the no quarter guys if you don't listen to their podcast which if you ever played a single arcade game and enjoyed it you should go listen to the no quarter podcast uh those guys have been i didn't realize it had been a year obviously i mean every week you see the number of the episode um but they just released their 52nd episode so congratulations to those guys it is very difficult to do um a podcast on a weekly basis and they pulled it off so uh, congrats to them. No congrats to them on their Matt Mania scores. They just recently played Matt Mania. And, um, you know, I called them out on their Facebook page. They didn't mention that on their podcast, but I'll mention it here. Their scores were, I think Carrington's score on Matt Mania was 6,000. Okay, maybe you don't have a good point of reference of what a good Matt Mania score is. I went to go play Matt Mania while I was eating cereal, and my score was 250,000. So, uh, they really, and I think, uh, Mike's was slightly better at 22,000. So I only beat his score by, I don't know, 200 and something thousand. Um, so, and what, what's funny is I forgot what, uh, they picked another game recently and I played it and I couldn't get anywhere near their scores. <laughs> but notice I don't talk about that one. I only talk about the ones that are good. Uh, so anyway, uh, congratulations again to, uh, the no quarter guys for pulling that off. Congratulations to all the guys on throwbacknetwork.net that got every, uh, got their shows up and running and everything. So, uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and get Earl Green on the phone. Okay, on, uh, This week's show, I have our special guest, Earl Green, on the line with us. How are you doing today, Earl? I
1: am awake with not nearly enough caffeine, but we'll do this somehow.
0: All right, that'll work, that'll work. And now, physically, where are you located at right now? Physically, I'm sitting in a parking lot
1: while my son's in school.
0: In a parking lot in Arkansas, right? Yes. All right, yeah. And I have done, now I did my, uh, the uh, Ninjas Episode of You Don't Know Flack. I did that in a car. I actually did that when I was uh, in North Carolina, and there were several times where I thought people were going to either pull up and either arrest me or kill me, <laughs> one or the other. So, if you see anybody approaching your car, uh, let me know.
1: There are a bunch of guys out here with weed whackers, so I'm guessing it's i uh, <laughs> I'm guessing it's a good day to. Um, you know, for sitting here while they uh, work on the grass in the little islands out in the medians out in the parking lawn, lot. Uh, lawn maintenance day. So,
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: So, if you, uh, yeah, if you hear that, no, I'm not over here, you know, going or trying to make lightsaber sounds. That's uh, <laughs> it's these guys. That's what we ladders. should do.
0: We should do a podcast where we're each um, like mowing the lawn and then we'd call each other. And <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> like actually tried
1: guys. to record a podcast once while I was using the lawn... Well, while I was mowing the lawn. And, and, you know, I had it... I thought I had it down to a dull roar and even, you know, I had the little microphone with the windsock inside a bandana pressed up against my face, so maybe this would blot out the sound. Let me tell you exactly what I heard when I listened back to the file. <laughs> and Charlie Brown's teacher in the background.
0: Nice, yes, yes. I, I have used... um the the noise cancelling plug-ins before to quiet, you know, ambient noise down but really what i found is there's no solution for a quiet room. I mean there's no uh, there's no better spot.
1: This is why i do my podcast in the bathroom most of the time. I would probably be there that, now if i was at home, which is more than anybody <laughs> listening to this wanted to know. I'd like to see
0: um, if it gets well, too hot really in, the car, in the car there. No, no, no. This is the audio. Audio only. But uh, if it gets too hot in the car, maybe you can move into the bathroom there at
1: Target. Yeah. And then continue, continue the show from there. Yeah, don't mind me. I'm just in the stall talking to myself. Well, I you know what?
0: I've seen Stranger Things in the uh, Target bathroom, so I'll just leave that. <laughs> it is.
1: Okay. So
0: for uh, people that are uh, not familiar familiar with uh, with your work where's the the best place where people can find uh, what, do, what do you do on the internet where do you where do you hang out at
1: well aside from hanging out in the target parking lot in Arkansas um, I run the com, which is going to have been on the web for 20 years here in a couple of years.
0: 20 years, wow.
1: Um, but before that, it was a creature of the BBS world. And so technically next year, uh, 2014, is year 25.
0: Wow. And you were a, um, were, were you more a Commodore guy? You were more an Apple guy, right? Yeah,
1: I was I was on the Apple II BBS scene. In this area, many years ago. Although the uh, the funny thing was, the Apple Users Group disbanded, and so I hung out all the time with the Commodore Users Group, which is, uh, if you remember from OVGE, a couple a few weeks ago, the young man you presented with the uh, Sega Genesis. Well, his dad was someone that I knew way back from the Commodore Users Group in Fort Smith. Oh, which that's okay, that's a okay. whole story we'll have to fill in later. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so Earl and I – well, where did we actually – I'm trying to think. I guess we met through – probably through – well, the first time we met was at OVGE, right? Yes. Okay, but we kind of – we got to know each other on digital press, and that was – I'm trying to think when I first got on digital press. It was probably –
1: 03, maybe?
0: Yeah, yeah, two thousand three. It was right around the time of that first OVG. So, so we've been talking online for a decade now, which is crazy. We both, when we were both pre kids, I guess. Yeah,
1: and but you know, we're we're both old BBS rats, ex-sysops, <laughs> and you know, it's just kind of like it, it, the thing that amazes me is that we didn't bump into each other earlier.
0: It is, it is because we have so many of the the same circles and and same people that we run into. So I know that we have old video games in common and old computer games in common. But another thing that we have in common is our love of Star Wars and Star Wars toys. Obviously, you uh, anybody that's been to the logbook knows that you are interested in much more than just Star Wars. You have a, a huge uh, Doctor Who area you have star trek you have uh you even have you have some fairly obscure stuff i know i've seen some i think blake seven references on the website yes you you delve much deeper than just
1: star wars well it's uh the, the site has just kind of grown tentacles you know to account for all of my interests you know so i can vainly try to you know write them all off on taxes um Actually, not really. It's it's easier than registering 20 different domain names. But we have, sure, yeah, you know, we have a section that's uh, TV shows and movies and everything's covered, you know, in depth. And you know, you know, you can stream the stuff on Amazon from there. And the episode guides are the oldest. That's that's the part that's running up on being 25 years old. The episode guides are what started up on local BBSs. Uh, including one of mine which was uh, the worst BBS in the known universe because my <laughs> m- I was trying to run it on a Franklin Ace 1000 and the primary drive that I had in that thing slot 6 disc 1 would crash and wipe out the database. And so the next week, I would relaunch the thing under a different name. Oh, look, new BBS, even though it's at the same number. <laughs> it's like there had to be 45 right. different BBSs at that number. I remember BBSs doing that from time to time. And, yes, under new management, yes, you, you know, it's the same guy with a different handle, but thanks for playing. Right, right. and And I also had a Franklin Ace 1000, by the way. Yeah, how is it that we did not run into each other until 2003? <laughs> I, I know. It's like did I'm your you twin brother you? who was in the attic. I was there the whole time.
0: <laughs> I thought there was just a rat scraping up there, but it was actually uh, Earl trying to get uh, more blank floppy diskettes from me. Feed <laughs> me! By the way, did you read, I don't know if you read what happened to my Franklin Ace 1000 recently, but I was... Um, we were having a garage sale, and so I had set some things up on top of my golf cart. I have a golf cart oh, no. for no apparent reason. And uh, so anyway, the kids hopped in and said, take us for a ride. And I forgot that the Franklin Ace was on top of the golf cart. And so I, I took off, and, and it made it surprisingly far. It made it about a block away from my house. Uh, and then I hit the brakes and it just went sliding. right. So not only did it fall off, it fell off right in front of my face. I mean, it went right off the roof down. And when it hit, um, spectacular was the word that came to mind. I mean, pieces flew in every direction. Um, so the, the case, well, the corner of the case was broken, but most of it was all scratched up. Uh, I don't know how many keys are on a Franklin Ace 1000, but I have probably a third of them in my possession. Um, The other third being either in someone's lawn uh, or in the road. I mean, I collected as many of I have. If anybody's looking for two thirds of of a space bar, I have one of those.
1: (laughs) Control, open, Apple, reset.
0: Uh, I was literally heartbroken. Um, and, and I do have, I have, uh, a small army of Apple computers. I have Apple two E's, two C's. Um, but the Franklin ace was the one that, that I, you know, physically grew up using. And so I've always had a soft spot in my heart for that machine. So, um, yeah, if there's any visual sadder than a 40 year old man on his hands and knees collecting random keys from a keyboard in the middle of the street, I'm not sure what that would be.
1: Well, nothing good has happened to my Ace 1000. We put it out. We have a shed. Um that's a pretty good little click away from our house because we have a we have a place with about 3 acres fenced in for a horse or cows or whatever. I mean, we we rent it out because we don't have a horse or cows of our own. And uh there's a shed out there next to the barn. And when we moved in, my wife didn't want, you know, any of that stuff in the house. And so it all went out to the shed. And, you know, you you run out of time to go out there and check on stuff. And by the time you do go out there and check on it, the back of it has has caved in. uh Everything has been rained on. Rats have crapped oh. all over everything. And that wasn't just the Franklin Ace 1000 that I started out with. It was the Ace 2200 that I got later. And the Ace1000 that a friend of mine gave me when he you know really had no use for a 64k of raw Apple compatible power and a giant heavy Faraday cage. And you know, there are a couple of Apple IIE's out there. So the only thing I have left, all my floppies were inside. So I have pretty much all of my surviving software collection, and I have an Apple IIC that's missing the six key. Okay. And uh, that is actually about to be hauled out, dusted off, and I'm going to be teaching my son basic.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I am. You know, I, I read an article not too long ago, um, and it's an old article that gets floated around from time to time. And there is a prevailing theory that teaching basic to children is a terrible idea. And the reasoning behind that is that the logic used in basic In theory is different than what programmers do today. I mean, it's different than object oriented programming. So basically you're teaching them the wrong way to do things. I don't agree with that theory. I think some of the things that I learned in basic, um, I still use today. I mean, that type of logic where you go through things step by step. And if this doesn't work, you look at the line above, you see what's happening, you test, you know, what, uh, you know, what's stored in your variables that that sort of logic. I mean, applies to, I, I do, you know, network support. I do networks. And, and if somebody can't get, you know, from computer A to server B, that's how I troubleshoot things. Well, can they get to other servers? Can other people get to that server? I To me, that's all the same logic that we learned back in the day, programming with BASIC. So, no, I think that's a great idea.
1: Yeah, I mean, if-then is still if-then. Uh, what's gotten Absolutely. What's yeah. gotten more illogical is people. <laughs> i will agree with that
0: so uh let's you're you're roughly the same age as i am i think what year were you born in
1: boy i'm trying to remember where i was when the whole star wars thing started um because i believe i was slightly younger than my son is now when my when my folks dragged me to the theater to see it and I think before that, I had seen one movie, and I. It, this is kind of frightening. I re, I, there are select things that I remember from my early childhood, most of which have to do with some sort of media experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember my first rock album. I remember the first movie I went to see was The Jungle Book, and my grandmother took me. But that was a, you know, that was a cartoon. It was obviously not reality. It wasn't really that scary. And, you know, and then I think I must have been five years old or so because in Star Wars, the first movie, it it did not have, unless you were a sci-fi movie fanatic and you were subscribing to Starlog or Famous Monsters of Filmland, which were both in existence already before Star Wars, you did not know that this big thing was coming out and that it was going to change your life.
0: Right, no, yeah, it was completely, um, it was just another movie when it first came out.
1: Yeah, and we, and so I I do not believe I went to see it, you know, on opening night, or I, I don't know exactly what date it was, and I think it was five years old, so that would put it after July of 77, so it had been out for a couple of months. Okay, And
0: okay. yeah, I was, um, I, I was right around that same time. My parents... My parents actually went before I went. They went, um, uh, because I, I was, I was born in '73, so in, in May, uh, May '77 when, when Star Wars came out, I was four. And then right around, like a couple of months later, so my, my parents went, I, I guess, you know, it started building this little following and my parents went to go see it. Uh, my dad was always a, a, a sci fi type of guy. Uh, and both my parents enjoy going to movies and stuff. So they had gone to see it and I guess they decided that it was something that I would enjoy. So they went back to see it a second time and they took me that second time. And I remember from that first viewing, uh, I, I I've told people before that the opening scene where, uh, you know, Princess Leah's ship, uh, flies overhead and then the, uh, uh, you see the empire chasing them and shooting. That scene right there has cost me personally thousands of dollars in <laughs> Star Wars toys. <laughs> I mean, as a, a five year old kid, when I saw that scene, I was hooked. Now, and, and I have also admitted this. I'm pretty sure within the next five to 10 minutes, I fell asleep <laughs> because I, I'm, my parents have told me that I fell asleep and that they woke me up during the cantina scene. And then when I saw the cantina scene, then I was really hooked, and I did watch uh, the rest of the movie. But yeah, that opening scene right there, I mean, to me, uh, I mean, that within the first 30 seconds, that was definitely something that changed my life.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I do not remember what I was interested in before Star Wars. I have no idea. But, you know, from that point forward, everything... Everything branches off from that. You know, because I got into computers, because I was interested in robots and read up on what robots are. You know, I got into space, which, you know, I'm a I'm a real-life space junkie. Mm-hmm. You know, people these days you know, don't keep track of, you know, what's lifting off, what's going where. Oh, man, I'm all over that because of... Uh, largely due to the Star Wars question-and-answer book about space, which I still have, <laughs> and I busted out recently. I, I found my copy of it, the old hardback, and I was going to present it to my son, and I was I was reading through it just going, oh, man, I remember this, I remember this. Wow, this is so 40 years ago. This is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is completely wrong now. So it, it kind of went back. It's still on my bookshelf. It's not on his.
0: Yeah, I am, I, but you, that's funny that you mentioned that. And I have the same book. I have mine sitting right over here next to me on a shelf. But, um, once Star Wars began to explode, um, it was more than just the toys. And I want to talk about the toys, but you mentioned books. And I remember having Star Wars books and Star Wars posters. And I had the Star Wars, the R2D2 C3PO alarm clock. And I had the C3PO. Um, toothbrush and a Star Wars watch, and and shirts, and on and on and on. So it was like anything that kids would want, not just collect. I mean, now we think of you know collecting toys, but things to play with or do or wear or having, uh, you know, curtains, sleeping bags, anything like that. Uh, all of a sudden, I mean, within a several years, you would find those things branded with Star
1: Wars. Oh yeah, yeah but the funny thing was at first. There wasn't a lot of that stuff there, because it, licensing a movie for products like that it just wasn't done. I mean, the the most recent comparable thing that you had would have been either Space nineteen ninety nine or Planet of the Apes, and both of those were Mego got the license to crank out the you know the twelve inch GI Joe sized figures. And they put them on the market, you know, with Space 1999, they did the, the ship, which was this big, beautiful thing with all the girders and everything around it, and the big engines at the back. And you, could, I remember you could actually take it apart and put it together as a smaller one. But, you know, they did one wave of toys, and they were out of there, because those things were not expected to have a shelf life. And, right, I, and the Star Wars stuff, I don't know if you remember this, there's, there was a at least half a year gap between the movie and the first figure showing up.
0: Right. I, I know that, um, I mean, the, the the figures and stuff really didn't start showing up until 1978. I know that in 77, that's when they had the, uh, the early bird package, which is now a... And this is a, a funny that reflects on the collector's market. It's one of the most, uh, maybe not the most desirable, but a very expensive thing to own, which was the early bird package, which was basically what would you call it a gift certificate that said hey once once we've made these figures we'll send them to you
1: yeah which nowadays you know if someone put that on the market today you know you would have the federal trade commission going uh, wait, "Wait, wait wait a minute what you know that's it's like a kickstarter project
0: <laughs> right yeah i'd have to keep one eye open uh while i slept
1: if i put that in my kid's stocking you know <laughs> And, and the funny thing is, uh, I did not know about the early bird package for many, many years. I, I had never heard of it. I, the right first time I ran into the figures, um, and, and I, I actually remember the first two figures I got on a, Visit to service merchandise. Does anyone remember that store even existing? <laughs> is it the I do very well. Maybe it's this part of the
0: country. I remember service merchandise really well.
1: Yeah, and uh, there was a service merchandise in Fort Smith at Central Mall, which was you know back in the day was was one of two competing malls. Now it's kind of a it's almost like a ghost town, and the other mall that was competing with it is now a a, a call center. It's oh, it's a wow. call center owned by a company that hires people to uh, badger people on the phone about their unpaid doctors' bills. Yes,
0: we we have the mall that used to be a mall that then was the AOL call center for a while, and now
1: I don't know what it is.
0: I, actually, what it is is the place you don't want to leave your car at overnight.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But uh, service merchandise. Yeah, that was the first time I ever even knew there was you know there was any such thing as Star Wars toys. I. I remember having the the bed sheets, the blue toothbrush with a decal of C3PO on it, which is probably the same one you're talking right. about, electric toothbrush. Yep. And I remember having this craptastic orange lightsaber, which all it was was a it was a flashlight with this big plastic tube on it and a filter at the bottom to turn the light it it uh, I don't know what color they were trying to turn it, but mine was kind of like urine yellow. <laughs> that, you know, everyone had different colored lightsaber blades in, you know, in the prequels. You know, I, I was the guy with the piss yellow lightsaber.
0: <laughs> was that an officially licensed yeah,
1: lightsaber? Yes, it was.
0: Okay. Because okay, I had. I had one that I think my grandma got for me at a garage sale that was not <laughs> officially. It was basically a flashlight with a long clear or kind of smoked plastic tube on the end of it. And then a little plastic color disc that went inside. So whatever color disc you put in there, uh, is what color the thing would glow. So mine was green. Um, and, uh, and of course the, the weight. Distribution because the handle I think had four D batteries. <laughs> this is before the time of uh, watch batteries and things, right? So it was literally like a five pound flashlight with this plastic tube. Um, so you could really swing it around, you know, which I did. And then you could really get it taken away from you if you hit your sister with it, which I also
1: did. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I remember chasing my older brother around at the thing and the, the only reason I think I got that was because there was a flashlight that was supposed to live in the kitchen. I remember it had a magnet on one side, and it was attached to the refrigerator. And, you know, it was shiny and silver. Now, that thing looked like a lightsaber. And I kept right. on running off with it. And so that's, that's how I came to have a lightsaber of my own was because, a- you know, my dad was tired of having to... uh look for the flashlight before he went into the basement <laughs> to find something
0: you know one of the most disappointing things about the uh, new star wars toys and i'm sure we'll get to that eventually but um, i never had any of the original life-size guns as a kid like the han solo blaster or the, or the uh,
1: stormtrooper rifle or whatever oh i had and tons so... of them oh did you yes i had i had the the han solo blaster and the stormtrooper blaster. Now, and this was this was back in the days before they were going to put an orange tip or an orange handle on everything. I mean, they exactly. Looked they were great props. Right. That's what I. Yeah, you could probably rob a liquor
0: store with the you know the hand Solo blaster. But I. So I recently, well, not recently, five five years ago maybe, when they re released the new ones, I was like, you know, this is something that I never had as a kid, and so I'm gonna. So I heard they were releasing them, and the. Hand Solo Blaster, It's it doesn't have an orange tip. The entire thing is orange. No. And it's molded in orange plastic, and the Stormtrooper one is molded in white plastic. Yeah, I, I
1: have seen those, and I thought it was lame. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely. I mean, who's going to, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just, um, I guess, a sign of the times or whatever. And this is for people, I guess this is to prevent people... Who were planning on robbing a store with a hand solo blaster? Who don't also have access to spray paint? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what this is supposed to prevent here, but um.
1: hand over your cash in the name of the Empire, <laughs>
0: right? You're, these were Republican credits. Don't make
1: me force choke you.
0: <laughs> I got. I had probably one of the best childhoods, <laughs> especially when it relates to, uh, I mean, overall, I would say, but also as specifically as it relates to Star Wars toys. I'm also was very lucky that I had a dad who was into photography. So I have pictures of a lot of these things. Um, but on Christmas morning, 1978, I have a picture of me sitting in the floor of my bedroom. And from left to right, there is a TIE fighter, an X-Wing fighter, and a land speeder. So I got all three of those things, and then scattered around are... I don't think it's all the figures that were available at the time, but it's a lot of them. I mean, and it's all the heavy hitters. You have Luke, you have uh, Han and Chewie, you know, and Obi-Wan and Darth Vader, and everybody's all lined up there. And there's part of me that thinks that may have been the greatest Christmas of all time. And there's another part of me that kind of kicks myself or at least kicks my parents for saying, God, do you know how much money I would have if you had not opened those things?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, the, yeah, Christmases were awesome. I, I remember specifically this actually Christmases and birthdays, birthdays, especially, you know, because it's all you baby. And right, right. Yeah. I, I distinctly remember my birthday in, I think it was 1982 because for one thing, they had to my mom had to decorate the house and so they had to get me out of the house and so they you know handed my older brother 30 bucks and said take him to the arcade keep him there until we call for him and and so you know it's hanging around the arcade for three hours who doesn't love that and in 1982, when it was, you know, it was the happiest place in the universe. Oh, that would have been a great birthday right there. Yeah, I mean, nowadays, you know, my son wants his next birthday to uh, to be an Arcadia, and I'm like, Well, what do you want? Well, you know, what do you want for your next birthday? I want to go to the arcade. I mean, that's all. That's all he wants. That's all he has plans for. It's like, Hey, okay. I the guy runs the place we can make this happen um (laughs) but yeah back then it was like three hours in the arcade and you know finally my brother went to the payphone and called home and i guess he got the okay because i noticed he was making lots of phone calls (laughs) right because you know pre-cell phone days sure yeah and so he was going to the payphone a lot and he had handed me he, he, you know, he took all this money over to the bill changer and gave me about half of it in quarters. So, for one thing, my shorts were falling down, you know, because <laughs> pfft, quarters in the pockets. And, mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, I was having no trouble finding something to spend those quarters on. I mean, every game in the mm-hmm. room twice. But he kept on going over to the payphone and calling home. Finally, he uh, he said, you know, we got to go. And I was like, "Oh." You know, because I thought that was it. You know, that was my birthday. I was cool with it. And then mm-hmm. I went home, and this was this was about two years after the Empire Strikes Back. And, you know, every possible creature setting you can imagine. And I, it, everyone forgets these now, that, that these were in existence at the time. But we also had the micro-collection. Playsets, Yes, yeah. Like little tiny metal army men, except they were Star Wars characters. And they had Mm -hmm. whole settings that interlocked. You know, there were three different Cloud City playsets and three different Hoth playsets. And it was like all of the micro collection at once. Oh, that's awesome. And I wish I still had that stuff. Now, the micro collection I did not keep up with. For whatever reason, mm-hmm. and you know, there's so many, so many memories related to Star Wars items that you know. I just want to go back in time and tell myself, okay, would you please put these in a box <laughs> and put that box in a safe deposit box? I mean, do it now while you're right. twelve. You just do me a favor, okay?
0: <laughs> now, I you know, it's funny you mentioned that birthday because I, I have, um, I had a few. Star Wars, uh, I mean, I remember getting a few things on birthdays and things like that, but, um, I found a picture recently and I, it was from 19, I believe it's 1983, so this would have been my 10th birthday. And it is a chocolate cake that my mom, uh, made for me. Uh, and, um, on top of the cake, she stuck, um, what were the, the little tiny, Uh, you remember in like an Empire Strikes Back around that era, they had the little, like the mini vehicles. Yes. The the mini Uh, rigs. Uh, Yes. Mini rigs, mini rigs. It's the, um, there's a mini rig stuck in this cake. And then there is a a twin pod cloud car figure, um, which does not go with the mini rigs, but I I will forgive them. Anytime people bought me star Wars uh, stuff, I would uh, not point out continuity issues, but yeah. Um, I have a very specific memory of being happy that I got those things and delivered to me on top of a cake and later I very very specifically remember this trying to use my tongue to get the chocolate out <laughs> of the little bottom hole of the figure <laughs> you know they had the little holes in their feet where they would you know you could stand them on pegs and this guy's was filled with chocolate icing from this cake, and so I, I remember later, like just trying to get every last little piece of um, of icing out of that. So, um, so as far as Star Wars toys, did you get a lot of? I mean, was it mostly like for holidays and stuff? I think that's when I got most of my stuff.
1: It's when I got most of the big stuff. Now the figures were this year round concern um, because there's. I remember the first ones I got. I was talking about going to service merchandise. Uh the first ones I got were Chewbacca and R2D2. Mm. And there you know it was it was no specific holiday. It, it just was. And I
0: you know they were almost for me
1: they were almost like currency like now I mean I remember
0: and and this happened to me too like where your parents would say hey I'll give you you know 5 bucks if you have a good report card or whatever but back then it was like you know it, for me anyway hey if you have a good report card I'll buy you a Star Wars figure.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, it was, uh, it, it, you know, they, they were used as bribery quite effectively. And <laughs> the, now, some of the, I remember one year, and I think this was 70, I think this was 79, that Sears did the Cantina playset that was just this cardboard backdrop. And there were two cantina places. There was one that was actually, you know, there was a bar and there was a table. And, it, you know, I, I don't know why I got the one and not. Actually, I do know why I got the one and not the other. Because and despite the fact that it came with four figures, it was cheaper. Because the, you know, the background was just cardboard. And so it all fit in this tiny little box, whereas the other thing had a lot more packaging to it and, you know, molded plastic and so on. Which, you know, it's kind of funny. You think about it now. You think about the backlash you'd get. You know, oh, great. We're going to market this thing for kids, and it's a bar. Good going.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's true, yeah.
1: And yeah, uh, Daddy,
0: Daddy, I want the one where Walrus Man got
1: his arm cut off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> of course, you know, my dad would have been like, okay yeah because much later in life he's like, you you make great friends in a bar. And I'm like, "Yeah, Dad, when you're buying, you know, I have
0: a funny hammerhead story that I, I just remembered when you were talking about that. I had um, uh, a hammerhead action figure that I let my neighbor across the street borrow. And so he <laughs> borrowed this figure, and when I got it back, his hand was all mangled and i was like what what happened you know and he said his dog chewed it up and this became like a um i don't want to say a, a, like i mean it, it definitely escalated um into a thing where it starts with little kids like you're not you know well you're not allowed on my property well you're not allowed on my property which by the way the bus stop was on their property so they really couldn't kick me off their property but um <laughs> uh, and then it got to a thing where like the parents got involved and their parents uh bought me a new hammerhead figure and uh, and brought it over to me. And so I showed my parents and they're like, where'd that come from? And I told them the story. They said, take it back. And so I had to take it back and they had it. And then eventually it ended up in our mailbox. Um, <laughs> and so I did eventually keep it. And so I was fortunate enough that when I got old enough to stop playing with Star Wars stuff, when it was no longer cool to have it out on display or whatever, that I did box it all up. My parents had a, a big garage, and so it sat out there in the garage for years, and now I have it back. But as I was, um, as we moved into the new house and I'm unpacking, I'm like, why do I have so many hammerhead figures? Like, I have four hammerhead figures. I don't know why people, I don't know, you have these like random figures that people have a lot of. Uh, but as I was looking at one of them, there's one, and the hand is all chewed up, and so I know, <laughs> so I know it's that specific one. I should probably find those people and give it back to them. Maybe, maybe they want it back after all these years.
1: Yeah, and in New Jersey, you know, it would have been a brick coming through the window with hammerhead tied to it. <laughs> take it, take it. <laughs> it's funny too. Someone
0: I was just uh, reading an article the other day about, I guess, how most of these people, be, I guess, because of the expanded universe that most of these characters have names now. Yes. Like, Hammerhead's name was not Hammerhead. Yeah. Um, And w- Walrus Man was not Walrus Man. But when I was six years old, I didn't know what a MoMA, whoever was, or you know, any of these things. I mean, I was just fine knowing them as Walrus Man and Hammerhead and Greedo
1: and, and whatever. I I have never he, I, I I will go to my grave knowing you know, who Walrus Man is, what Hammerhead is, what Greedo looks like. Um, of course, Greedo's name hasn't changed, but everyone else, uh, Snaggletooth, <laughs> right, Snaggletooth. Right, sure. Um, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, well, yeah, cause you're talking about the, you know, the great hammerhead exchange there. Uh, there's a Snaggletooth story that I'll get into momentarily, but I, I have never been able to memorize these names. The, the alternate names came in, in the nineties, in the mid nineties or, okay. or early nineties. Um, because West End Games did the big uh, star wars role playing his first official star wars role playing game, um, and that came out alongside the uh Heir to the Empire novels. That was really kind of the second second blitz of Star Wars merchandising, but it was aimed mm-hmm. at the kids who had grown up with it and were now hitting nineteen and twenty and were too cool for school and uh And then little did we know that a few years later they were going to try to figure us again um right which,
0: and we had jobs at that point which was different than before
1: yeah yeah because I, re- I remember holding out forever against the hasbro figures nope nope not gonna do it not gonna do it i've got the old mm-hmm. ones i'm good and you know then it was finally hot damn i'm 22 i've got a job i'm getting r2d2 with the light pipe in his head and he's gonna sit on my desk <laughs> at the office
0: yeah i did the same thing when the um Right with the Power of the Force... I think that's what I wear, right? Power of the Force line? Yeah. um, 90, in the mid-90s. When that first came out, I was like... I was excited, but I was... um, I feel like I was... uh, Embarrassed is not the right word. Uh, Embarrassed... uh, Not that I was embarrassed that I would be interested in Star Wars stuff, but I was a little disappointed in myself, I guess, at letting myself get excited about it, because I thought... It's like when someone says... Uh, you know, I'll give you five dollars to flush your morals down the toilet or whatever. And you say, listen, buddy, my, you know, I'm, a, I'm a moral, upstanding person. I can't. And then they say, how about ten dollars? And you say, okay. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, so there's the part of you that you know that you've just done something that you didn't want to do. On the other hand, you're like, woohoo, ten dollars, you know? And so I, I did feel like, at the time, I knew, I said, this is being marketed to people who grew up on Star Wars, who have money now, and it is, all it is, is a way for them to get money. And then I still bought them all anyway. Well,
1: I, I held out for a while longer because, because of two things. Um, th- the, the funny thing about me is I never stopped collecting figures. I still haven't stopped. I still haven't stopped. But, I have changed what I, I Over the years, I've changed what I was collecting for. And in the early 90s, I think think they kicked in probably around 92 or so, Um, Star Trek The Next Generation was what I was collecting and i was spending obscene amounts of money on it and then of course within a year you had deep space 9 and then they finally started doing captain kirk and so on and it it was such a it was such a money pit so i can't claim any moral high ground you know oh no i was i was too cool to be buying toys no i was just buying different toys right and, sure. and i couldn't be bothered to shift my allegiance back to star wars you know especially not when luke <laughs> You know, the first wave Luke came out looking like E man
0: Yeah, there was some interesting figures. I've heard the Princess Leia one referred to as Monkey Face Leia, Monkey which face if you look Leia, at her, yeah. right, very accurate. It looks like a, a guy. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a very weird uh, sculpt, you know, for those other ones, and then remember, and this is where I got caught up, and this this is actually more disappointing in myself than even buying them, is they had all the variations. Remember, they had the long saber versus the short saber, um, and, and so I mean, the the first Luke that came out had a lightsaber that was the entire length of the, I mean, it's like eight inches, you know, it's a Well, not eight inches. It was a three and a half or three and three quarter inch figure with a five inch lightsaber or whatever. I mean, it was as tall or taller than Luke was. It looked ridiculous. So they re-released it. And so that now not only did you have to have the Luke, but you had to have long saber Luke and short saber Luke. And all the figures with lightsabers were like that. I remember, um, there was a, uh, one that I spent a lot of time looking for was it's, it was Han Solo, uh, with also the, the, uh, Han Solo and Carbonite, and on the package it said Han Solo with Carbonite Freezing Chamber, which that wasn't the Carbonite Freezing Chamber. That was Han Solo in a block of Carbonite, and so they went and updated the card later. So then you had to get the old card, and the, it really got ridiculous. It, it almost makes you wonder if they were doing that just to
1: exploit that collector mentality. I wouldn't be surprised, because, I mean, they deliberately... They deliberately plan weird little stuff. Now, now the only. I, I never really got that much into variations, because like I said, you know, I was, you know, I was on the Enterprise by that point. But mm-hmm. eventually the, uh. What got me back into Star Wars collecting in the 90s was that they started doing characters that were not part of the original lineup. Right, yes. And yes. I, I think about the time I finally gave in and said, I'll. Oh, God, you got me. It was uh, I think they did Grand Moff Tarkin, and yep, yep, and yeah, That that was it. That was it. And
0: yeah, I remember there was a, a several, Um and more there, I, but you know, in the original Kenner line, and that's where I would say my heart. Lies oh, yeah. with the Kinder line. I, I do have all the, the newer stuff, but those were the ones that we grew up playing with. And I know a lot of collectors prefer the newer ones and even the, the brand new stuff, uh, just because the amount of detail and obviously the technology, uh, in more advanced sculpting and things like that. But the, the ones that I grew up with, I mean, those are the ones that I actually love, you know, but we even had a joke. Back then, you know, with the with the the Kinner line was, you know, if you were in the movie for five seconds, there was going to be a figure, you know. And now, it, not only is there a figure of everybody who was in the movie, but I mean, they have a complete backstory. They have a name. They have a wife and kids back home yeah. and wherever they're from.
1: <laughs> yeah, and they have. Uh, it, it, the reason I never really got into uh, collecting variations was because I was I was usually making my own. I mean, you talk about you, know, you talk about characters you didn't see. I, I don't know if you remember, Snaggletooth originally came out with Greedo, Hammerhead, and Walrus Man in this cardboard cantina playset that was a, I'm pretty sure it was only at Sears. And okay, okay. The Snaggletooth that came with that was tall and he was wearing a blue outfit because they had a black and white reference photo and it was like, you know, hey, just get it done. We gotta get this, we gotta get this made in time for Christmas 79. Mm-hmm. And because the, uh, the reason there was a cantina play set that year was because we had just had the Star Wars holiday special, which there were large <laughs> chunks of that took place in the cantina, except with B. Arthur turning the Star Wars universe into a musical, which, um, yeah. it, you know, everyone's, everyone's too cool for school on the holiday special now. I, I have a confession to make. When you, the first time it came on, when we watched it live the night it was broadcast, I loved it.
0: I I don't know if I saw it. I'm sure I did. I can't imagine there being something on TV Star Wars related that I wouldn't have seen.
1: Well, some people, you know, if they have traumatic memories, you know, the mind just works to to blot them out <laughs> completely. And but the, one of the happiest moments in my life, you know, later when I had a job and I had my own money, was tracking down on eBay a VHS copy of this, you know, complete with some. You know, uh, some Kansas City newscaster, some white guy with a fro, you know, jumping in during the commercials. We're going to be fighting the frizzies tonight at 11. And, And or whatever it was he was talking about. Right, right. And um, but the the cantina characters, I'm sure, came out that Christmas because it was right after the holiday special and blue snaggletooth. Was a mistake. He was a little short guy in a red outfit, and they did do that. And and I also remember Blue Snaggletooth had boots. Red Snaggletooth, for whatever reason, was barefoot. Right, right. So did you have a Blue Snaggletooth? Oh, I still have Blue Snaggletooth. Oh, me too. I have one sitting right here. But um, the the funny thing was, is you know you were talking about this. This war going on with your neighbors across the street. You know, when the Blue Snaggletooth thing happened, it sort of became conventional wisdom. Oh, you know, now that they've released this other one, this one's going to be a collector's item. That got taken away from me instantly by my parents. Oh, we're going to put this away. This is going to put you... The blue one did? Yeah, the blue one. Uh, Okay. And... You know, so they got me the red one. I was like, "Oh, but I want them both," and it became this ongoing war to see how well they could hide it. And you know, it, it was like I could smell it. I always found it, and finally they gave up and they're like, "Okay, just take good care of him, okay?" Which you know, most of my Star Wars figures have a a common defect, which is that the house was smoked in heavily. So I have Ah okay. I have lots of yellow stormtroopers and so on. And um but the other thing was was I would inflict these amateur paint jobs on my own figures for whatever you know, I had to customize them for whatever reason. I thought I was going to make them cooler. And there are there are two figures in particular that stand out. I remember. One was Boba Fett. I remember they had those glittery metallic ink pens, permanent markers. <laughs> yeah. And I changed the color of Boba Fett's armor. Now, here's what's funny. You flash forward uh, 25 years after that, and mm. it's like I had the world's first Jango Fett figure, and I didn't know it. <laughs> you were just ahead of the curve. Yeah, and so... And I still have that one because, you know, I like to show people, you know, hey, do you, you remember the Django fit figure that came out in 78? Ah, well, here's mine. Um, but the other one, the, <laughs> the other thing was that I went through R2-D2s like they were popcorn. And here's the reason <laughs> with that. R2-D2 was my buddy. You have to keep in mind, I was probably, I was still five years old when the figures started coming out. And so mm-hmm. R2-D2 went everywhere with me. You know, he I ate breakfast with R2-D2 next to the bowl. I tried to smuggle R2-D2 to school. In fact, I succeeded many times and, you know, would have him given back to me by the teacher at the end of the day once I'd been found out. But the the downfall of the first R2-D2 figure that I had, that one that I got in service merchandise was I took him to the bathroom with me, and for for whatever reason, you know, because I just could not be without R two D two. I had, you know, I had done my business. I had flushed the toilet, and something happened because I, I remember there was this uh, this toilet paper dispenser that had a little lip over it next to the okay. next to the toilet in my bathroom. I probably put him on top of that. Finished doing my business, and I probably reached over to put the lid down on the toilet and knocked him in. Oh, no. And so you, uh, and, and there he goes screaming right now. But <laughs> the the thing was, you know, the water was clean, so it was like, oh, get him out, get him out, mom. Well, the decal just sloughed right off. Right, and, yeah. and you know yeah. the original R two D two, all the details on that sticker, and if that came off, you know, you had this white cylinder with nothing on it, and immediately the uh whatever they used f- the metallic finish on his head uh, that immediately turned green. Oh, really? Yeah. If it was ex- if it was dunked in water to that degree, and huh. and the blue paint turned yellow. And so it was kind of interesting. Oh, the, the his head, yeah, kind of a psychedelic, yeah. Yeah. So you know, the the head was kind of interesting, but there was no detail. And so my mom, being the you know the artsy, creative person that she was, she said, "Well, you know, I will draw. A, you know, I will try to draw on there the the details because I also had the you know the the six inch R two D two that went with the twelve the twelve inch figures." Okay, and yep, so yep. she looked at that, and she drew it on there as best she could with permanent marker, and then she uh, sealed, she sealed around it with plastic tape or something. She cut a piece of plastic tape and wrapped <laughs> that around it, and so you had all these details that weren't quite right, and you had this green head with with yellow highlights, <laughs> and my older brother it, never let me live that down. Now I did get a replacement R two D two in pretty short order. They, you know, my mom took pity on me there, but I always kept that one, the the green one, and my brother called it R two P two because it had fallen in the toilet. And
0: yeah, I was gonna go with R two poo poo, but uh, yeah, I like this too.
1: Yeah, so so we. So we had R2D2 and R2P2, and <laughs> hey, it it fallen into clean water. Yeah, I'd never would have seen that thing again if you know if it had fallen into you know a, a dirty toilet. But right, right. Uh, yeah, it would have been okay. You know, fish him out, throw him away. But I only. Oh, go ahead. But anyway, uh, I was going through a box of stuff that I found in my attic, not not too many months ago. And to my amazement, I discovered that R2P2 was still with me after all these years. Oh, wow. And so it's, uh, so yeah, my first Star Wars figures now. He, he, he uh, sits up on a shelf. <laughs> and, you know, my son's R2-P2. like, why is that one green? And I'm like, I'll explain later. Because, uh, yeah, I do not let him take toys to the bathroom for that very reason. Right. <laughs>
0: you're like, I'll tell you later, but in the meantime, don't put that one in your mouth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I only tried customizing two figures that I can think of off the top of my head. One was, uh, I, I, I remember that at some point I lost R2-D2 for some reason, and so, but um, R5-D4s were plentiful. They were kind of like the hammerheads of the droid universe. Um, nobody really wanted R5-D4. I mean, you know, in the movie, he's the guy that blew up, you know, so, um, so I had taken a, uh, because I'd lost R2, I had taken a R5D4 and tried to change him into R2D2 <laughs> with a blue marker. And, um, the results were, I mean, basically it just turned everything purple and, uh, <clears throat> smeared around a lot. So it was not a, uh, not a great solution at the time. Uh, and then also before, I don't remember if it's before the Wampa, was released, or if it's just before I had one, uh, but I had several, and I, I still have most of them. Of the, uh, I mean, of the the ones I originally had of the twelve inch Star Wars figures that yeah. like you mentioned, um, but of course uh, there was no twelve inch Wampa, you know, that you could play with or whatever. But what I did have was the twelve inch Sasquatch from the Six Million Dollar Man. <laughs> uh and if you remember it it's a goofy looking thing yeah. i mean it looks it looks a lot like chewbacca actually except for there was a button that you pressed that would shoot his chest off that showed um his robotic insides i was not a big six million dollar man fan so i'm not sure why bigfoot was a robot you probably know the answer to that
1: <laughs> i i forget uh, uh all, all i know is that uh it, as a little kid, I always referred to it as the $6 man because I can never remember yeah. a million. And <laughs> I still kind of think of it in those terms.
0: <laughs> right. Well, I had the $1 Wampa because with a can of white spray paint, <laughs> the $6 million man Bigfoot became my 12-inch Wampa. And it was very poorly painted and very sticky. Um, so not, I was not very good at customizing the pickers. Now, I will tell you when eBay... Um, kind of came into its own in the late 90s, early 2000s. I started, um, trying to, and it's, it's still an ongoing thing of trying to quote unquote complete my original collection. Yeah. And, um, I started looking at custom figures and there are a million custom figures out there. Uh, some of them are, you know, improved figures, you might say that, that were, uh, from the original film. Some of them are, uh, expanded universe type figures, uh, characters that have only appeared in the books or whatever. Yeah. And then some of them are kind of, I, I guess I would just call funny or comical or unique. And one that I found was Garth Brooks, um, but it was a Darth Vader one. And so it was Garth Vader. Uh-huh. And so it's, it's Darth Vader except for the front of his chest piece is quartered And it's that checkered black and white shirt like the Garth Brooks used to always wear. Yeah. And then I I don't know if they made this or if they got it from something else, but on the top of his helmet is gone and he's wearing a big cowboy hat. (laughs) And it it came with a lightsaber and a couple of small beer bottles. And, um, so I, 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 and actually I don't know if it's Garth, it could be Garth Vader or Darth Brooks. I don't know which one you want to call him, but, uh so i I still have that guy, but I, I you know that's a getting into collecting other people's customized figures is a really slippery slope
1: yeah that that way lies madness um yeah, because the well, three things back to back got me into the mode where I was thinking I was going to complete my collection um when I lived in Green Bay it was about the time and i'm gonna say this was ninety this was ninety eight Yeah, I remember, actually, yeah, it was, it was 97 or 98, because that's when I was living in Wisconsin. And I, there was a book called the Star Wars Action Figure Archive by Steve Sansweet. And I distinctly remember that book because it was this glorious thing where, you know, they had a picture of every figure that ever was. In the Kenner or Hasbro lines up to that point. Okay. And, you know, I just got it, it, it... The book was discounted because it was about to be outdated because episode one was coming out the following year. Right, right. Yeah, new stuff was
0: coming, sure. Yeah,
1: and everyone knew it was outdated. And so I think I picked it up for like seven bucks, took it home, and, you know, the drool just started pouring off my lower lip. It's like... Oh, I didn't know they'd ever gotten around to making Luke as a stormtrooper. And, and stuff like that, because my main interest was in the, the section of the book dealing with the, the Kenner figures. Right. And at the time, I was also undergoing some, this dental surgery, which required repeated visits, you know, because it had to be done for a variety of reasons in little, little small sessions. And, literally in the same strip mall shopping center wherever you want to call it was a place called Toy Exchange in Green this is on the east side of Green Bay and i used to go in there and i would i would go in there after i had had my sessions of dental surgery when i knew i wasn't sharp enough to drive yet and so of course you know i walked in there doped up looking like the elephant man hello how are you doing i don't like the browser selection of star wars toys you know drool just pouring off my lower lip again it seems to be a common thread here and and in very short order i also discovered that they had old uh, video game cartridges Pre-NES stuff. Ah. And so, yeah, the dentist visits were very expensive. Not because of the dentistry. My insurance was catching that. (laughs) But it was because I was, you know, staggering over to Toy Exchange, waiting to come out from under the, the haze of the anesthetic so I could drive. And I would go over there, and I would easily drop 30 bucks on Atari cartridges and ColecoVision cartridges and Star Wars figures. Mm -hmm. that I'd seen in this book that I didn't have yet. And I actually actually picked up quite a few things that I did not have or ones that I'd lost.
0: Right, yeah, that's definitely um, part of Star Wars collecting for me is uh, you're absolutely right. There are two different categories that I find myself buying things in, and I'm still buying Star Wars things, and I'm still an idiot. I know that. Um, but it's, it's, um, I mean, as far as the old stuff goes, one is replacing the things that I remember having that I no longer have. And the other one is as more and more of those, like you said, those price guides, uh, come out or whatever, um, seeing the things that we didn't have, um, I decided, Probably 6 months ago, I would say. I got this, uh, you know, we I just moved to a new house about a year ago and I got these shelves and I thought I'm going to drag my Star Wars stuff out and put it on display. And so I got all my Kenner figures and I put them on these shelves. And there were a few figures that I thought, you know, I know that I had this guy at some point, but I just didn't see him, you know. I and for some reason it, it um maybe it's floating in a toilet somewhere, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I, but I, I just, I don't know where they ended up, you know. So I thought, well, I, I, you know, I need another Death Star droid. I need a, um, you know, whatever. And the other thing is, uh, you know, as I started looking through, I'm like, I, I guess my Star Wars collecting must have tailed off around 84. And the reason I say that is because as I look through these price guides and figure guides and stuff, I don't seem to have anything that was released in 84 or 85. Now, we got our Apple, we had a TRS-80 computer in 1980, yeah, 80, um, and then we upgraded in 82 and got the Apple or the Franklin A. So, I I suspect that between the computer and the Atari that my shifts, uh, my uh, interests begin to change around that time because... When I look at the later, like the Return of the Jedi play sets, I don't have hardly any of those. I don't have, uh, I, I can't even think of all of them. I don't have any of the Ewok Village stuff. I never had an ATST. Um, you know, so all those things that are associated uh, the Job of the Hut play set, I didn't own any of those, but I had almost everything from the first two movies. So it seems like that's what dropped off. So I, I have been scouring eBay, and this has been a nightmare. Uh, as I look through the figures, you know, I set up all my Kenner stuff and I used to tell people I have basically all the Kenner figures. Well, what I found out, when first of all, when I went online was that's not true. No. I was missing a lot. I was missing over like 30 figures, which I had no idea that I was missing that many. And some of them were quite simple to track down. I mean, I, I didn't have a Java. Well, that's an easy one. Go on eBay. There are Javas for five bucks all over the place. Um, you know, so there were, there were, I didn't have the black Bespin guard, which I kept referring to as the African-American Bespin guard, (laughs) but everybody said that, no, there's no African-American people in outer space. So he's just listed as black, uh, Bespin guard, but I didn't have him. So I got, I got him. So those were all easy to pick up. And then what I ran into, and you've probably seen some of these are, um, I'm going to, butcher this guy's name, but uh, like A Man-A-Man, a man, I think is how it is. Yes. And Yak Face, and and the cheapest Yak Face, when I looked on eBay, the cheapest Yak Face I found for sale was about $500. Buy it now. So what happened to these figures?
1: Why why are these hundreds of dollars? Well, they were produced toward the end of the run, and it, the thing was, you know, you talk about your interests shifting. Everyone in our age group, everyone's interests were shifting around that time. Uh, you know, because video games and hormones and stuff like that, and He-Man. And mm-hmm. so, I, I think it was a matter of, you know, they kept making figures, and everyone's allegiances were shifting to other interests. And so... I did not have an Amana Man back in the day. I have one now. I'm kind of embarrassed how much I paid for him. And yet wow. I look at the prices now on Amana Man. You look on eBay, it's like, Oh, now I'm glad I only paid that much. Right. Because right. I probably yeah, got him I... about 2000 or so. And which was a huge mistake because I probably could have gotten him cheaper two years earlier. If I had known that eBay existed. But the the thing about getting anything Star Wars in 2000, if we had just had a new movie, oh, yeah, everything was <sighs> stratospheric prices.
0: Well, that's what I'm watching happen right now again on eBay because we have the you know, these, uh, the news that there are new Star Wars, new Disney Star Wars movies coming. And um, they just, I guess, last night aired the trailer for the new Star Wars, what's it called, Star Wars Rebels? Really? Is that what it's called? I missed that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, if you blinked and you were watching Disney, you would have missed it. Uh It is literally a recreation of the the opening scene of the flyover of Star Destroyer, and it says, um, I mean, there's a little talking thing, and and, uh, I I may insert it into this part of the show here, but um, basically it just says, uh, you know, at a time when Jedis were up and coming, and the Empire was rising and whatever, and there were Star Wars Rebels, so there, there's no new visuals there's actually nothing new It's I guess it's exciting that they aired something, but uh, it, it's not very much meat on the bone so to speak, but um, To battle
1: the Empire, a rebel alliance will form, the Jedi will rise, and you will know the power of the Force Star Wars Rebels in 2014 to Disney XD. Yeah, with
0: all the the current excitement and uh, all the new Star Wars figures that are being released again, I think it's going to drive the prices back up. So please don't put that a man a man back on eBay because it's going to cost me a fortune when you do. <laughs>
1: well, and the thing was, you know, you talk about Yak Face. Yak Face was, I believe, it was only released uh, outside the U.S. For whatever reason, I think, because most of the yak faces that I've seen pictures of, if they were carded, they were on uh, what was called a, a tri, a tri logo card. Right. Which it's, it's, it's actually, it's not really different logos. It's multilingual. And so most of your yak faces in, in in North America, I believe came from Canada. And so they had these, They had the uh, cards that were in English and French and maybe Spanish just for giggles. I don't know why they would have done Spanish in Canada. But, uh, you know, of course, they also could have been intended for sale in South America as well. Yak Face, you know, because you're talking about your quest to complete your collection. I have a nearly complete collection, and I accumulated all this stuff, you know, around 2000, 2001 or so. And Yak Face was where the rubber met the road, and I said, "I'm okay not having all of them." And I broke yeah. down and got a three yeah. buck Yak Face from the from the Hasbro collection, and I'm happy to have it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I that's where I got with um and on throwback reviews and uh, Adventure Club podcasts. I've done episodes on both of those recently about collecting Atari games, and that's exactly where I got um because of the the rarity guides and stuff like that i found myself really enjoying collecting atari cartridges and not playing very many of them especially yeah. now that we have um emulation if i want to play chase the chuck wagon or air raid or any of these super you know rare and super expensive cartridges uh it's it's one mouse click away for me i mean a click on the computer and i can play air raid if you've played air raid it's a rip-off of, um, I think, Space Jockey, which in itself appears on a lot of people's lists of the worst Atari games ever. So <laughs> yeah. it's not, you're not paying for a a quality game, you're paying for the fact that it's super rare or whatever, and I just found that I wasn't willing to do that. Um, a lot of my collecting, uh, be it Atari, Star Wars, whatever, dropped off around the time of eBay and people all of a sudden deciding that everything they had was worth a fortune. Um, when you could go to, uh, I, I've told people this before when I was collecting Atari games, I would go to work and tell people, you know, that I collected Atari games. And the next day they would bring a giant box of all their Atari stuff. And they're like, Hey, I was going to throw this out. It was in my closet. This is garbage. You know, here you go. Uh, and I inherited Star Wars stuff the same way from people that would say, you know, Oh, uh, you know it's not, um, you know, this was at my kid's room or this is my old stuff and I don't want it anymore, here you go. Well, so there was a time.
1: I'm, I'm sorry, go, go on.
0: <laughs> no, I was just going to say there was a time where that happened and once people said, oh, well, I'm not going to give you this dirty old, you know, R2 D2 that's been floating in my toilet because now it's a one off and I could put it on eBay and get a million dollars. Or that's what people think anyway, you know.
1: Yeah. Need yeah. <laughs> yeah, I need to come up with the uh with the backing card for it and get it in the bubble and and I'm sad. No, but uh, the the video game collection, you know, most of my video game collection I I wouldn't exactly say I had a world class collection. I had a collection I enjoyed accumulating and enjoyed playing. But it got to the point where I was out of work. I I needed to come up with money somewhere. And so, you know, this was, you know, 2009 or so, I believe, was the the year I went to OVGE with huge tubs of cartridges and came home with a house payment.
0: Right, right.
1: Because it had to be done. And, you know, I remember my wife was just overjoyed with that. And she's like, well, you you were planning on getting rid of this stuff eventually anyway. And... I kind of got serious for a second. No, really. I was actually kind of, uh, planning on sharing this with the boy at some point. And, Mm -hmm. you know, end of discuss, awkward end of discussion. But. Right, right. But at the same time, I knew it had to be done. The Mm -hmm. Star Wars figures that I've got, the old Kenner figures, you know, because you were talking about, you know, people bringing you boxes of Atari games. Most of my Return of the Jedi figures, I accumulated the same way because I kept on collecting stuff, and you know, my mom was really adamant. At at a certain point, I think around eighty four or so, okay, you've got to stop playing with those. Grow up. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, she was she was of the mind, you know, we needed to put them away, we needed to get rid of them, we needed to, you know, have a yard sale or something. And I resisted that notion with every ounce of strength I had. And so finally what I did was I took a bunch of my dad's empty cigar boxes and I ripped the lids off and I spray painted them all. And in some cases I even waited for them to dry before I uh, attached them to my bedroom wall with thumbtacks. And I yeah. I set the Star Wars figures in notes. And oh, nice. And it was a display thing. And, you know, my, my mom begrudgingly was like, well... It's not like you're playing with them day in and day out. And I'm like, yes, that's right, Mom, because, you know, what she didn't know wouldn't hurt her. But because, you know, I was the other thing about the Star Wars toys was they changed the whole industry. Everyone used to make stuff in the G.I. Joe scale. And then the moment the Star Wars toys took off, everything was in what is now called Star Wars scale, which which is your average height of an adult character is three three quarter inches. And at the time, you know, there's Star Trek, the motion picture, and Buck Rogers, and, oh, what else was it? The Black Hole, which is a movie that I dearly love, even though I acknowledge the fact that it it makes very little sense. But they had the coolest robots (laughs) this side of R2-D2. And so, you know, the Black Hole robots were always running around with Star Wars robots in my room. And I, yeah, I, I, um, I had a, uh, at the time, I had
0: a fairly large collection of, uh, adventure price. Yes. Uh, or a Fisher price adventure people. Yes. And, you know, I, I've joked before that, um, uh you know i would make han solo and chewbacca uh you know when they needed a break from smuggling they would get into the little green van and go down by the river (laughs) and take the kayak and (laughs) have a little thing but yeah no i i totally i was there um i did have the uh, a couple of buck rogers uh there was the Battlestar galactica yes um ships that were the same scale and also uh clash of the titans so sure when um Yeah, when Princess Leia got tired of uh, Jabba's crap, she would hop on the Pegasus and fly (laughs) off into the. And of course, G.I.
1: Joe. I mean, that was the other universally compatible thing. And G.I. Joe figures, I would get those, and I mean, I wouldn't even have had them for a week, and I would give them a new paint job so that they fulfilled some function (laughs) in the Star Wars universe. You know, so my, my box of rebel troops runneth over.
0: Yeah. I, I never, I never got into G.I. Joe. I never got into He-Man. I mean, for me, it was basically, I had some other friends who were, I had a friend who had a lot of G.I. Joe stuff. The only G.I. Joe figure I think I ever had was maybe one or two of the ninjas. And that was more because I was into ninjas than, um, G.I. Joe. But, um, and, and I was always jealous of the articulation. Yeah. Of the G.I. Joe figures, because you could do so many more things with them than, you know, just the uh, uh, the Kinner figures where you could uh, move their arms and legs and, and most of them their heads. Right.
1: And if you were lucky, they had they still had the peg holes in their feet. And so, you know, you'd wind up with, you know, I, I remember also having ninjas stationed on the Death Star. So, there you go, Rod, the dream come true right there. Death Star, ninjas. Okay, I'm done. It doesn't get better than that.
0: That is a wonderful collision of worlds.
1: Yeah. And, uh, but I, you know, I would try to pose them with this extra articulation and then, you know, for whatever reason, the Death Star would sit on the shelf with these ninjas in it. And, uh, and you know, three years later, I'd look up there and you know, I'd pull that down. And it's like, what the hell are these guys doing? Interpretive dance? <laughs>
0: is there any toy on the market today that is as wonderful as that Death Star
1: playset was? No, there is not. And, and here is, I have a theory about that. And, you know, this is probably a little bit pretentious BS. But my theory is, because, it, you know, it had locations that kind of, sort of, represented what you saw in the movie without duplicating any of it exactly, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, it becomes so nonspecific that you can use it for anything. And I remember at one point, uh the support struts for the... I, I I think it was the second floor that had the consoles on it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, the, the some I lost something or something else broke and the whole thing would no longer stand up. But oh, okay, yeah. But it was so non-specific, you know. I would just put that that second floor on on a table and you know those two consoles. Well, you know that's that's the Enterprise right there, or or whatever. I mean, it, you know, I would fly that deck of the Death Star around by itself. Like it was its own ship. I didn't care. <laughs> right. And, and I think so many of the later, and a lot of the Star Wars play sets were like that. They were, they were meant to evoke the setting without duplicating it. And I thought that was such a smart, you know, now I realize that was such a smart move. Now the play sets you get, oh, well, this is the hexagonal, corridor before they jump into the trash chute and it, you know mm-hmm. it's so speci- it's so specific it cannot be anything else
0: right right i remember the uh, remember the early uh tatooine playset that had the sand crawler in the background you know yes. and the cardboard sand crawler and then you had this little area and there was like oh there's a little kind of uh you know, a little cave like area where you would put a Jawa to shoot R2 yes. and you had the escape pod. But what I would do is take that. And I had this Brown blanket and I would throw it on my bed and just, you know, make all these little Hills and and all these things on the blanket. And then I would put that in the middle of it. So it was like, I was expanding, to the whole world of Tatooine, you know, so you would have stormtroopers over here, and so that was just one area where they would go. But, but yeah, you could. And and in and, and, and Kenner's
1: defense, they did reuse some of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. I was about to say uh, the first, the first Hoth place They did two different Hoth playsets using the exact same base, painted grayish white. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it didn't matter that there were. You never saw caves on Hoth. That anything popped out up to shoot R two, you, you know that cave was still there and that knockover switch was still there for whatever reason. You know it's like oh, you know what is that the wampa cable? It's a real, it's a little bitty wampa. Right, and there was the uh, the the tank treads from the sandcrawler. Yes, exactly. But <laughs> you know, mini rigs. Blame it on mini rigs. Um, yeah, I was talking about the box that I recently. I that's that's my second. My second all-time luckiest Star Wars find, which I'll get into the first later. Which this is this is about to turn into a freaking three-hour podcast here. Um, <laughs> I know, yeah. But the se- uh, the box I was talking about, where I. Discovered that R2P2 was still with me after all these years, had all of those cardboard play sets and their bases in it, intact, or mostly intact. Oh, wow, nice. Because what it was, my mom had packed this box at some point. You know, this was around the time when, you know, when she was like, you're done playing the Star Wars figures. You're done. Grow up. Get an interest in girls. Why? I, I can't bend them like I do these people. Um, well, that's a matter of some interpretation, but well, that that'll be the subject of another podcast at a later date, which can only be listened to after eleven p.m. by people over the age of twenty-one. But um, the thing was, she boxed all of this stuff up. I mean, she at least had the foresight to keep it. Yeah, you know, she figured out that I was going to be really uh, this. This was shaping up to be a lifelong rift. If she actually got rid of the stuff, so she folded all the cardboard pieces down and disassembled everything and put it in this box. And I also found in there the uh, the handheld movie viewer that Kenner made. Oh yeah, with a yeah. with a film cartridge in it. Oh nice. Um, and. I found pieces. There was a Star Destroyer playset, which was, it, it only, it could only dream of being as cool as the Death Star playset. So, was the thing about the Death Star. Right. You could fly in that, you could fly that deck around. You could turn it around, face it the other way, so the slim, you know, so the, the elevator end, the, the thin end was going forward. Well, you know, that's shaped like a Star Destroyer. That is your Star Destroyer. <laughs> you know, it's got consoles. Stormtroopers can sit back there and fly the thing backwards. Doesn't bother them. Um. <laughs> but the there's part of the star destroyer playset in there there was some star trek stuff in there and the uh the an imperial troop transport that was missing two uh two of its you know prisoner containers which i okay i, yeah. I think i offered that to you and you know very quickly learned okay not only does everyone still have that but everyone still uses it as a pencil holder Every, yeah everyone. yeah that's
0: that's what mine was for a long time yep
1: and um, the that kind of goes to the the story of the first all time lucky Star Wars haul that I had, which was that um, in the year 2000, I was I had just moved back from Wisconsin, and at, at that point I had been hauling my entire collection around with me in boxes, from place to place for years. I had never gotten rid of any of it. And, you know, some of it was the worst for wear. Like I said, my Death Star had no chance of ever being assembled again. But, you know, I kept the pieces in boxes because at some point I was going to figure out how to get all this stuff ret- you know restored to its former glory. Well, the summer of 2000 rolled around, and I uh, had a self-storage unit because we had a small apartment, and yeah, this... If this was a bigger fight than you would think, but the, the truce that was finally agreed upon was that the figures would be in the apartment, not on display, but I would keep them in the apartment with me, but the ships and the play sets would be out in the self-storage. And so about a week before my wedding, I went out there to pay the bill, and I would always go and check on the stuff. And I... Went up to my, uh, went up to the door of my self-storage unit, and the padlock that was on it uh, wouldn't open with my key. And then I looked at it and realized it was not the same padlock. And I went to the front office where I just, you know, written them a check for forty bucks or whatever it was. And you know, I was, <laughs> I was kind of like, okay, what the hell is this? And they had no idea. And they handed me a bolt cutter. They said, if anyone's going to cut the padlock, it's got to be you. So I went to, my, went to the door of my storage unit and cut this, you know, the wrong padlock off of my storage unit. And I had been robbed. Big time.
0: Oh, no.
1: And all of my stuff was in these you know, waterproof, rubber-made containers that in themselves were not cheap. All of my, all of my Star Trek ships, all of my Star Wars playsets, you know, aside from this one box that I just recently opened up that I did not, I didn't realize I still had some of it with me, but most of the good stuff—the Death Star, the Millennium Falcon, the X-wing, the various Tie Fighters, the Land Speeder, the the Bespin Cloud Car, the Tauntaun, the Wampa—all that stuff was gone.
0: Oh man!
1: And. I, uh, and so I went to the front office and said, okay, I, I uh, guess we got to check the tapes because I've been, uh, I've been jacked pretty good in there. Some very valuable stuff. Oh, well, the video surveillance system is not working. And I distinctly remember just kind of leaning across the guy's desk and looking him in the eye and saying, okay, inside job. And he didn't have a word to say to me. And so I just loaded the stuff in my car. Uh, Aside from a couple of bookcases, which obviously wouldn't fit in a car. And, you know, I got my money back and left the place then and there.
0: Right, yeah, sure.
1: But that doesn't get the stuff back. Well, a few years later, I'm going to say this was 2006, I believe. Uh, A friend of mine who, uh, his his name's Dave Tomer, and and I've got to name check him because, you know, this is like, You talk about weird coincidences. He was sort of my right hand man on the logbook, and he wrote stuff. And he would be the stuff who would copy edit my crap because you know I would, you know, misspell stuff and you put wrong punctuation somewhere. And uh, and so he was he was my right hand man in the. He would catch my crap that I had written wrong, and he sent me an email out of the blue. And said, okay, my uh, college roommate has a bunch of Star Wars stuff still in the boxes that he is tired of hauling around. He wants it to go to a good home. He wants, you know, he wants insurance that he, he offered it to Dave first. But Dave had a daughter who was about three years old at the time. And Dave was like, ha, <laughs> ha, no. And so Dave contacted me and he said, you know, here's the conditions. Um, keep the stuff safe. Don't sell it. Because it's not that this, not it's not that his college roommate is going to want the stuff back, but he just he wants. You know, if he wanted it flipped, I'm sure he would like to do it for himself and make the money off of it. Sure. And so the thing was, you know, Andrew was going to give it to whoever would promise him not to sell the stuff. I was like, oh Oh, wow, that would be me. And so all I, I'm your guy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right over here, and. So these three massive boxes arrived on my doorstep about a month later. And we're we're talking, each of these boxes cost something like $35 to ship. Oh, man. And I opened them up, and in the original boxes, but the boxes were open, so, you know, you were not, it, it wasn't like all this stuff had never been touched, but it was kept in the original boxes, was almost everything that i the duplicate of almost everything that i had lost in my self-storage robbery but in much better shape okay so you don't think dave robbed you no i don't think no no i don't think they <laughs> robbed me because the stuff i the stuff i got from this hall was in much better shape than mine it had not been subjected to my you know you know, sitting around bored at the age of nine with permanent markers, I am going to paint this deck of the Death Star black. <laughs> um, it, you know, because every other deck is black, this deck needs to be black too. I actually did that to the second floor of the Death Star at some point. And but all of this stuff was in much better shape; still had the pieces. You can stand the whole Death Star up. The only thing it's missing is the Trash Masher. And you know what? I'm okay with that because my trash masher had gone missing at some point, many years before. And <laughs> what I had taken to doing was parking the imperial troop transport in that hole. Oh yeah, it's like a little garage. Yeah, and so I was totally okay with it. Yeah, I mean, because this was the you know this was the Barbie dream dollhouse for boys. Our age oh yeah and so the trash masher was was not a big issue you know it became the garage for the troop transporter and you know <laughs> I remember roaring that thing out of there with sirens wailing like it was some kind of fire truck on several occasions when I was a little kid and so yeah I was well you know the trash masher being missing was not a setback because I also had this brand new Imperial troop transporter yeah baby Back in the garage with you. <laughs> Sweet.
0: Well, you are right. This is probably going to end up being a. Well, I think we're at an hour and a half right now. So, with the other stuff I'll add at the beginning, we're probably looking at another one of my marathon episodes. So, we'll probably have to r- reel uh, things in. And I definitely want to do a second episode, but be- uh, we'll do a sequel to this. Okay. Um, but, but before we do, I want to ask you is there any. I'm going to tell you one of my favorite Star Wars collectibles that I still have. And it's one of those that's really worth nothing financially, but it's just a, a favorite thing. And then I want to ask you, um, if there's anything in, in your collection, uh, you know, like maybe what one of your favorite things is. But, uh, I got married in 1995. And, um, actually, it was, it was, um, uh, I, I'd already been living with my wife for about a year and we knew we were going to get married, but we didn't know when we were going to get married. And my sister, uh, had planned a wedding in August of 95. And then, um, her fiance got into some legal trouble <laughs> and the wedding was called off. And so all, uh, so basically that, that date became available. And what was convenient was that a lot of our relatives from out of town had already purchased tickets. And we're planning on coming to Oklahoma on that date. So we said, you know what? We'll have a wedding anyway on that date. So <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I still am not exactly sure how it's supposed to work of what the groom is supposed to plan and what the, the bride is supposed to plan and all this. But basically, I was told uh, that there was a church in Yukon, Oklahoma, and I and several friends had better be there the day of that wedding in tuxedos. And that was pretty much my end of the bargain. Um, <laughs> my wife took care of everything else. Her and her friends took care of the flowers. They took care of the decorations. They took care of all these things. And her sister, in fact, was a um, a cake decorator and, and did the wedding cake and also did uh, my groom's cake, which I had, had no idea what it was going to be or, or had seen it or anything. And so uh, after the wedding, we went to the reception hall and I come out and there is the groom's cake, which is this giant bluish gray kind of cake, and on top of the cake is my Darth Vader Tie Fighter, uh, and then a, a painting or a, a you know a icing depiction of the Death Star, and uh, w- which by the way was one of many signs that that um, I had found somebody in life that understood me. You know, when when my wife and I moved in together, uh, I've told this before. The first two things she unpacked. Uh, were her uh, Commodore 128 computer and a framed picture of the Three Stooges. So I had a pretty good <laughs> sense <laughs> that this was going to work out. Um, so she had played this groom's cake, and I had my Darth Vader TIE fighter on top of this cake. And surrounding it were two wooden cutouts of R2-D2 and C-3PO. And if you look at these things, um I mean, at first glance, you know, from across the, the room... They look like something you would purchase, but then when you get closer and look you can tell that they were hand cut out and hand painted. And so when I asked her about them, they actually belong to a friend of mine, my buddy Jeff, and his mom is very uh good at arts and crafts and she's one of these people that always um paints, you know, has things in her yard and crafts and and all these things. And so when my friend was was young, she actually made these, so uh, I would say the C-3PO is probably, oh, two foot tall, and then R2-D2 is to scale, um, and they were just, you know, painted on wood and then cut out or whatever, but, you know, after the wedding, I asked my buddy if he wanted them back, and he said, no, I don't care, and so so I still have those, and um, even though they're not anything that you would buy in a store, and they're not anything that would be worth money or anything like that, I, I think those are two of my favorite things, just because, um, I don't know, it, to me, it kind of sums up, it, it gets past all the monetary stuff, uh, that's associated with Star Wars now, you know, where you have to buy everything, collect everything, or whatever, and it just kind of shows, like, how much kids loved Star Wars, um, you know, so even if it was these wooden things that you would put on a wall that represented R2-D2 and C-3PO or whatever, that, um, that kids would still be happy with that, so I think those are, uh, a couple of my favorite things out of my collection. Is there anything in in your stuff either that you used to have or that you have today that
1: um, has any kind of special meaning to you? Well, there's, in some respects, you know, it's just tempting to say all of it, you know, because my, my childhood kind of got truncated at an early age, you know, for a variety of reasons. And I think that's part of the reason that I have, hung on to the stuff that i have for as long as i have. you know you talk about old cartridges old floppy disks you know the video games that i sold a few years ago were the ones that i had collected on ebay and you know through various other means you know various swaps and trades and so what i have now are the cartridges that i had as a kid you know i don't want to get rid of those and, you know, it's right, sort of the same with the, the toy collection. But uh, two things, and one of them just sits on a shelf and does not do anything, no matter how many times my son asks about it. it it's a very old Star Wars thermos. Because if you're anything like me, you used to have the metal lunchboxes for every mm-hmm. stinking movie. Then Oh, yeah. And this was the thermos that came with the original Star Wars lunchbox. And it's got it, the the artwork is all on a decal and it's very it's very crude depiction of C-3PO and R2D2 and the you know it's and it's been beat to hell you know i used the heck out of that when i was a kid and the lunchbox as well which i no longer have the lunchbox but written written on it in my mom's handwriting is my name and so the you know, my my son keeps asking about it. I want to see that. And I'm like, no, actually, that's mine. And that stays on the right. shelf. And that is literally one of the only things I have that has my mother's handwriting on it. And, you know, she's been gone for such a long time. You know, it's kind of weird. Little stuff like that you want to hang on to. And really mm-hmm. not because it says Star Wars. I mean, it could be the six million dollar man Sasquatch thermos for all I care. And you know it would right. it would have that sentimental meaning to me, but the sure, but that's
0: definitely a tie between- i mean i'm sure i mean obviously you said that your mom you know knew how much you liked Star Wars and stuff, so that's cool that you have the a tie of all those things together in one item
1: yeah and and the other one for really exactly the same reasons, and you know as silly as this is going to sound is r two p two who lives on top of that thermos. Um, so they're they're both there together yeah in in all of his green glory because you know that's kind of the you know one thing my mom taught me was not everything has to be store-bought now of course the moment that kenner you know took possession of every child's allowance for the rest of time that kind of got shot to hell but Mm -hmm. you know she kept on telling me you know okay if there's something they don't make you can make it yourself and, and she would try to show me ways to do these things. And it's kind of funny because I've tried to pass that on to my son. But, you know, I've got memories of backdrops that I drew by hand and things like that that, you know, sadly I no longer have because they were probably on, you know, taped together index cards that have, you know, who knows <laughs> who knows what's happened to them. Sure. But, you know, I had that hexagonal Death Star corridor before anyone made one. Damn it. And but you know R two P two is kind of yeah it's kind of where she was showing me how to do that you know and it's it's kind of a story of not only creating something new out of something that has you know (laughs) has fallen on hard times but you know it's sort of it's I don't know it's kind of like this this is gonna sound so pretentious but it's kind of the symbol of overcoming adversity and so. Yeah, these two beat-up old things are sort of—they're up there with my most treasured—not really my most treasured merchandise, but my most treasured memories, really. Mm-hmm. And you know, neither one of them is anything I would care to part with. So you know, R2P2 is—you know—a man of man's not going to throw them onto eBay anytime soon. Say you first. <laughs>
0: Well, very cool, man. Well, hey, we're definitely going to have to do this uh, again. We need to get into a part two and kind of get into some of the the newer Star Wars toys or collectibles because I want to ask you about uh, some of the new lines that are coming out, what you think of that and how it compares to the old stuff. But, um, man, it's always a good time to talk to you. Uh, I always have a good time, and now, really, all I want to do is hurry up and hang up on you so I could go on eBay <laughs> and go see if there's a man to man or yak faces come down uh, in price at all.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, one of the yeah, one of these days it's going to come down to you know sitting around a craps table in Vegas. Come on, baby, yak face.
0: I know. I'm I'm really hoping that. Uh, at some point you fall on hard times and have to put uh, a -A man-a-man back on ebay (laughs) (laughs) well well,
1: the funny thing is he's uh, i uh around the same time i was trying to you know fill holes in my collection i was picking up these things called star cases which they Mm -hmm, make they make them you know the size of star wars figures these little plastic things with uh hangers i mean you could put them on peg hangers if you had some from a from the store or whatever, and they're sized for one figure, and you can stick the guns in there, or whatever. And the funny thing is, I stuck a man-a-man in there after he showed up in the mail. I don't think he's ever come out. Yeah, you know, because <laughs> right. I haven't put the stuff back on display. If I put it back on display, which I'm planning to at some point, you know, a man-a-man's finally going to get some air. But I'm sure he's in there going, "What the hell, dude?" <laughs>
0: I hear you many. Yeah, I've got a few of those myself so.
1: Well, all right Earl.
0: Well, it was a pleasure talking to you and we will someday in the near future pick up uh reconvene and do a a sequel to this episode.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> all righty, man. Well, I will talk to you soon. Okay. I'd like to say thanks again to Earl for coming on the show. I really appreciate it, and we will definitely be doing a, a follow-up episode to this, a sequel to the Star Wars, and we will have a Episode 2 Star Wars collecting episode coming out soon. So uh, thanks again to Earl for coming on the show. I really do appreciate your time, and I always have a good time talking to Earl. Um, that pretty much concludes this episode of You Don't Know Flack. I want to thank everybody for tuning in, hanging in there with me. We are coming up on the one year of uh, all these You Don't Know Flack episodes. So, uh, will there be more episodes? I don't know. We'll have to see. In the meantime, check out Sprite Castle, my new uh, tube cast uh, that features uh, Commodore 64 gameplay. And check out ThrowbackNetwork.net for all of your retro podcasting feeds. With that, I believe this brings episode 142 to a close, and I will talk to you guys next week on episode 143 when we will be talking about the mist computer. Voilà, outez-le. Oh, oh, oh. oh, oh.